Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. This is my first in-person podcast, and I'm graced here by the presence of none other than the great Connor Skelly. Connor, would you like to introduce yourself? What an introduction. Um, good to be here, Alex. Um, I'm Connor. I am a marketer, business owner, um, friend, yeah. partner, yes, <laughs> homeowner, yes, <laughs> um, son. You know, beloved son, beloved favorite son. <laughs> Actually, Connor was the first episode of this podcast ever, mm -hmm. and the title was called "Marketing and Analytics at a Startup." Mm -hmm. And at the time, you were working at a startup, yeah. and so that was sort of the angle that we took. So, I guess um, just to catch us up a little bit, tell us about um, tell us about the industry that you're working in. Tell us about like what part of marketing you're zooming mm -hmm. into, um, just from a high level. Yeah, so the last time, yeah, we talked a lot about like anything related to marketing and startup and my experience at that company got me really interested in systems. So like making how how can you make marketing and sales and customer success work better together and more efficiently? Um and so that's like the world that I've been getting much more into. Um so the operation side mm -hmm. of of marketing um, and again, a lot of sales and customer success. Um, and so at that company that I was at when we first talked, um, we had used HubSpot. And so uh, I essentially became the keeper of that tool and then got really interested in not just systems, but um, and like figuring out, you know, what's the end result and then how do you work backwards and what's the system you need to build? But then how do you do that, you know, through through a technology or a specific CRM or something like that? Um, and having that be like the center point of of team processes and day to day activity. So, yeah, that's the work that I've been doing um, for probably pushing two years now. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, what are some processes that you've been able to implement or change about a business that's like a good example of a process change. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of different, a lot of different things. So, like, one recent one was this law firm. They, you know, law firms, a lot of businesses like that, a huge part of their revenue is referrals. And so, a lot of CRMs don't have a really good way of tracking referrals because you need, it tends to be like an inbound sort of self-attribution type of source, right? Like a lead comes to you and they have to tell you, I, I heard from this person or this person sent me, right? Um, and so that becomes very difficult when like just getting into the nitty gritty of it, like that becomes very difficult for like an intake team, um, you know, or like lead management. The freeform, lead free, free form data entry. Exactly. Right. So like that tends to be where people default to because that's, you know, that's just what immediately comes to mind. And so you then run into a lot of issues of one, like not tracking the name. Right. So just calling it something like referral. Um, a lot of technologies are case sensitive. Right. So you have to um, if you do a lowercase versus an uppercase first name, those are two different things when you look at it from a reporting perspective. Um, and so uh, what what I eventually implemented with them was adding on an additional piece of their CRM where the referral was like its own standalone thing or referrer was its own standalone thing. So you'd have like your contacts, your companies, your deals, 
your normal stuff that you would have, but then you add on this additional object, this additional element within the CRM, and you have it then becomes its own independent entity that can play around with everything else. So um, with that, what what they're doing right now with that is um, so after we got all of their referral people and mapped it to all of the past contacts and deals and things like that, a super manual, really annoying process. Um, but now that we have this in place, one, there's a process to automatically create these things as new leads come in because the team is really good at identifying referrals, but we needed to make it easy for them to create those things, right? Like that, that's a good thing to think about when you're adding any new process is what other processes are going to be touching that? And are you making their life harder by adding on this new thing, mm -hmm. right? Automation kind of comes to mind because like the go-to is let's automate everything. But in a lot of cases, if you kept something manual, you'll either continue to be just as efficient um, or especially if it's a new process, starting off with manual work is really important because it forces people to go through the process and you get a lot better feedback that way too. So, so with this refer custom object, they're able to see who, like, um, of their top refers, who has brought them the most contacts, who has brought them the most deals, how much revenue has directly sourced from this refer. So, like, now we're starting to think about, you know, they'll do like annual gifts or letters or something like that for the holidays for their top refers, but. Before that, it was just a shot in the dark, right? It was just kind of a relationship thing. Mm -hmm. And so now we're able to get into much more sophisticated like marketing programs around referral marketing. Mm -hmm. And so we could then start to do, you know, if a deal goes closed one from someone that comes in, let's just email that person right away and say, hey, this person you brought us, they're now working with us. Thank you so much. Here's a gift card or mm -hmm. like, or even just the acknowledgement is enough. So like, and that is really important when it comes to, um, continuing to generate consistent revenue for a business that's very referral based is you have to keep in touch with the people that are bringing you the most business. Interesting. So, and what you're kind of touching on is the idea of incentives, um, that which dictate behavior. So if you were to incentivize more referrals, because now you have the data to determine the good ones, um, and you start giving spiffs for more, you know, referral referrals, you are going to cause people to be incentivized to do more referrals. It mm -hmm. sounds simple, but it's like, that's how you have to think in terms of how do I, how do I incentivize the behavior that I want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're enabling that process to even happen because it re relies on data. Yeah. Because like, you know, if someone, if I refer you, um, or if I, if I send like if you're doing consulting or something and I send someone your way, and then I never hear about it again. I'm every time that happens, I'm less inclined to keep doing it. Right, right. Because I don't know. You know, I may lose. I may not even know that person I send you to, and uh, they're not. They have no reason to reach back out to me. Or if you and if you don't reach out to me, then I'm gonna have no idea what happens. And so, like, there are plenty of people out there. Like, um, we're both kind of this way. We're like, we'll just send people stuff or send people to other people because we can't help them and we just want to like do a good deed. Um, but when you look at it from a business perspective, like there, there are very real incentives that can come down with that. And so that's where you can build like a very solid working relationship. Yeah. And you're getting into affiliate marketing, which is very, sure. yeah. very hot, too. hot, hot. Yeah. We relate that to, you know, how, what, what, my, what would my role be in something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. So typically like if, if a company wanted to launch an affiliate marketing program, right. They have a strategy in place. They, they, identified this as a need. 
um, then they would come to someone like me and like, how do we operationalize this? How do we implement it? What processes do we need to have in place in order to have this run successfully? Sometimes it'll include like, what, what are the metrics we need to track? How do we collect that data? What is the process to collect that data? How do we report out on it? Um, you know, and measure it and all that. And so that tends to be like the world that I've been getting a lot into is what I describe as like the supply chain of marketing and sales and customer success is it's what happens behind the scenes what are the tools and process and data that you need to implement to enable the the marketers and the salespeople and things mm -hmm. like that to do their day-to-day -day jobs mm. it's very interesting um so i want to go super meta with you and you know you're talking about processes in the marketing ecosystem that you're improving but what about the processes that you use to run your business? So that's like a meta process where you're, how do you actually run the company that then does the processes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like such a hypocrite when it comes to that because, you know, day to day we'll put together big plans and implementations and things like that for our clients to make sure their CRM is working. Um, as efficiently as possible and they're getting the most out of it. But then you turn around and like, look at my CRM and it's a nightmare. <laughs> like, it is a nightmare. We're, we're in the process of, of fixing it up. And we actually just implemented something yesterday that is a refined, it's a refined sales process like for the company. And so, um, and that, what that ended up being was it was new, new deal stages in the pipeline. So adding on a couple things, rearranging some stuff, just because now, you know, if, you have dozens and dozens of meetings, you learn and you get a bunch of clients, you find the patterns in the sales process and you want to be able to repeat that. And like, I always recommend like start as simple as possible when it comes to that type of thing, like the less stages, the better. Um, and you don't really want to have a stage for something that is like a one-off rare occurrence. You want to have something that is consistent um, and have it be as linear as possible. And so new deal stages added on automations where if a deal is, if there's no activity on the deal for like four days, send me a task until there mm. is something and, oh, nice. and to follow up and like do that forever. What do you right? use for that? HubSpot. HubSpot for task management? Mm -hmm. For at least for as far as like internal sales process mm. stuff goes mm. um, using that. And so like we'll use like ClickUp for like work management and stuff like that for, for clients. But um, as far as like the internal stuff, yeah, we're using HubSpot for that. What other what other tools? I'm curious. Do you use to run the run I just, your business? I just did an audit of all this because I'm trying to great. I'm trying to get a formal budget together. Um, and let's see. So ClickUp, HubSpot, Slack, Zoom, uh, PandaDoc for proposals and contracts, Canva. Mm. Um, Loom. Who just got acquired? What's Loom? Loom is the um, you know screen record, press the button, record your screen, and do a quick thing. Oh, I have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've used that. Yeah. Um, Loom. That's good for if you're developing like a software or some kind of a technical thing with somebody, and you can just quickly like say, "Oh, on this yeah. page, there's an issue." Yeah, it yeah, it's definitely helpful for that. Like in our case, we'll use it for two things. One, like I hate meetings. And they're, they're an inevitability, but it is nice when like I'm in a meeting and the rest of my team isn't, 
and I can just walk through like what I talked about with a client and like in their account <clears throat> and just say like, okay, we need to do this and this and this, this is the reason why we're doing this. This is mm -hmm. the desired outcome, that kind of thing. Um, so that's one reason we use it. And the other one is for training. So when we do implementations or really anything that's around a new process, just screen record, walking through the entire thing. Here's how you do it. Provide them a training document. Mm. Um, and then now they have the written steps as well as the video assets. So they can actually see what to do on it. So we use that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's probably like, oh, and um, I think I may get rid of this now, which you may find this interesting, but um, <clears throat> uh, Fireflies, like AI, the note taker. Mm. So it was really nice at first because it would, it joins the meeting in theory, it joins the meeting, it will capture a recording of it, transcript, and then send out summaries as well as action items and things mm -hmm. like that. The action items are now like a more premium feature that I'm not going to pay for because it's a pretty expensive tool. Um, but it was really helpful to see, like, especially when you go back and like, you get like into the nitty gritty details of like an, of implementing something with a client, right. Or figuring out on the phone what the right solution is. Having that historical record was really helpful. But just yesterday I used the new zoom, like summary AI thing and it was great. Hmm. So we're already paying for that. So that'll probably get rid of a $150 a month cost. Whoa. Yeah, Fireflies is not is not cheap. The benefit the reason why I went with it and I left other tools is because they have a really good API. So you can it's integrated with our Slack, it's integrated with ClickUp. Um yeah, but, so I, I actually just got an AI for note taking called read.ai. It's oh yeah, much cheaper than that. And I've connected it to Zapier. And so every time I have a uh, intro call for my podcast, just about 15 minutes. We talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast, their background and so forth. Then I have the note taker send that data from the notes to uh, Zapier and then in, plug in a custom query in ChatGPT where I feed the notes in and I ask ChatGPT, based off of these notes, I want you to write me 20 questions for the podcast, a podcast title. Uh, a summary for the podcast, a promotional post for the podcast uh, social post. And I want you to email that to me and put it directly natively into my OneNote, which is my mm -hmm. workflow for the podcast. That's so good. Yeah, and it's pretty cheap. I love, I love that. Yeah, I Zapier guess we, is the best. Yeah, I guess we, we have Zapier too, but we have like the, not the free, whatever is above the free one. Actually, no, we do have the free one because most of the automations we have now are native in HubSpot. Nice. Um, but we have a couple things in, nice. in Zapier. But uh, that's a cool, that is a cool workflow. That's the that's the thing. And I, I figured it out. It took me three years to, to finally put it together. But it's all about thinking about what is your workflow? Like, as mm -hmm. like, what do you actually do? And then there is usually a way. Like, even for the podcast interview that I do, I mean, obviously there is some magic to it. But I was thinking, like, I could have an AI rendering of me asking certain questions and like plug my personality into it and if i could have an ai version of me doing the podcast then i could record a hundred podcasts simultaneously and i could actually scale this thing to like crazy volumes true isn't that exciting that i mean it's not exciting. that i'll do it but it's like the possibility the, the, the fact that that is not out of the realm of possibility is pretty cool yeah yeah um oh you just said something uh, i'm not gonna remember it oh yeah like you said like just going through your actual workflow. Um, I'm working with this operations agency right now, ironically. Um, and 
they are because the goal is right now is that you reach certain ceilings when you have levels of scale and things start to break right and so you know hiring more people requires new process and things like that and with the goal of removing myself farther and farther from the business um you need to implement new systems and new process and stuff and so i've gotten by pretty well so far but now reaching a point where you need that outside perspective from a business that does this day to day with companies. And so we're going through this thing right now, just called the process workflow. And it's this huge spreadsheet that's very empty with a lot of columns. And it's meant to be like an idiot proof action plan, like tactical action plan for your business. Mm -hmm. So from marketing to sales to pre kickoff to kickoff month two, month three, your daily recurring task, your weekly recurring task, monthly, quarterly, mm. annual, you go through and you just document everything. So every little granular task. And then in the columns, there's like 40 different columns or something. And so you go through like, who's the owner of this? Is there an internal communication around it? Um, there's a lot of stuff for like what happens internally. Um, is it like an internal facing task or an external facing task? And there's a section for like client experience or em and empathy. So like, how can you, um, like, what is the desired client experience around this particular task? What happens to them? It's obviously irrelevant for a lot of internal tasks because it yeah. doesn't touch clients, but, um, then there's a section for operations. So what technology do you need for this? Does this have a template or some sort of source that you can mock this off of? Um, and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been enlightening to, mm. to go through it. It was super daunting at first because you just see the spreadsheet and you could like add rows and stuff like that, but you just see the spreadsheet with like a hundred rows and you're like, uh, and you completely forget about what you do day to day. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but now that I've really gone through it, um, I've just, I've started to condition myself where I, if I'm working day to day, I then think like, oh, that's not in the document add that in there into this little thing. And so it's meant to be like you hand this to someone and they know step by step what to do in the business on a day to day basis. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you hand this the to secret new, sauce. Yeah. So you hand this to a new hire. Like once you put the information in, you could then filter it based on roles and like do all that type of stuff. So then you know what that person's like master task list is. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, especially in like this business, a lot of it is like it's not just press this button at this time. Right. It's a, it's a little more strategic and thoughtful than that. But there are those things that are like send this email using this template at this time. Yeah. Like there, that stuff does exist. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to think about that type of stuff because it works yeah. right? when you actually document it and you do something consistently and you start to improve it, it works and you're like, Oh, I have so much more time now. Yeah. And so that, that is just kind of going back to the first question. Like that is the world that I've been getting into. Yeah. Time is so fleeting. We have, but <laughs> moments left, you know, the ultimate currency yes and you can't make more of it that's why i got two roombas one to mop and one to vacuum because roombas mop yeah i have a mopping one and a vacuuming one and so the the vacuuming one goes first in the morning while i'm still asleep and then the mopping one goes after oh interesting okay we can have a lengthy conversation about that recently got a Roomba, an hour, right oh. i did because i got it because our the vacuum that we had it just started to not be good so I was like, oh, maybe this is a good opportunity to get a Roomba, right? And so I get it, and we have two cats, so that was a big reason to right. get it. And it was just like the consistency of vacuuming is something I couldn't do. Like, it takes 10 minutes to vacuum something, but like Every doing week. it all the time, like yeah. you realize how much stuff accumulates. My biggest problem with the Roomba is that 
it never does the job because it always says it's full. Hmm. It always says like the container thing is full and it says like clean it and whatever and things like that. And you do. And I do. I did like a deep clean of it and then it'll, it'll run for like 10 minutes. It'll like go on our living room carpet, which probably has a ton of cat hair on it. Oh my gosh. And then it's like, okay, going back home. And I'm like, and then I empty it. And it's like, and it's like, it's just a little palm full of dust. It's not even full. It's not even full. Oh my goodness. It, it, it got completely full for like the first three days. And then now it, maybe I'm just not cleaning it well enough or something. There might be a sensor or something that's like, yeah, there's like six sensors that you have to, oh, I've, I've read the manual. Right. That's, (laughs) I can't even believe that they, cause you would think that's why I went with the Roomba because that is the best. That's the main brand. That's the right, Apple. Of course. And they, I mean, they have like 12 different products, which yeah. is confusing, but, um, it's a good idea. I, and I stopped doing it in the morning too. Cause I used to have it turn on at like three in the morning when I'm asleep. It's loud. Yeah. And bumping into things too. You yeah. know, you hear bumping into your bedroom door. You're like, is somebody trying to get in? Yeah. And well, it keeps bumping. <laughs> yeah. And like, cause with two levels. So, you have to like bring in the base. The home is on the first floor. Mm. And so bringing it up to the second floor, it just like doesn't compute. So it's, it's actually really oh, yeah. fun to just like watch it figure itself out. <laughs> um, and it's also fun to watch the cats. Yeah. Like around it. At first they were very apprehensive, but mm. now they're. Now Do they sit on it? To... No, I've seen some videos. I haven't, yeah. I haven't placed any of them on it yet. You got to get the mop for that. Cause the mop is like silent. Hmm. Is it like an is it like a different product or is it yeah. just like an attachment? It's a different product and it's cool. smaller. I'll show you after this. It's, it's so beautiful. Mm. I love like I love robots because I love they robots. save us so much time. Yeah, we can actually do the important stuff now. Like talk about you know <laughs> I don't know whatever we want now. We can now talk about Roombas instead of vacuuming. Exactly, and that's yeah. a better use of time. I noticed that I keep every time I buy something like. Um, in a certain category, let's say a keyboard, then I get littered with keyboard ads for the next week or two. Do you notice that after you made a purchase? That's so infuriating. After you made a purchase. Like there needs to be a layer in the ad network or the ad platform that looks at that looks at another dimension of credit card spending of frequency of that item purchased. Right? Because if I buy a couch, why do I need couch ads for the next three weeks it's i'm not going to be money. buying another couch it's a waste of money you're out of the market yeah exactly so like there needs to be an additional layer that looks at the product type or the skew or both or whatever um and then looks at other purchasing channels and looks at the frequency of that product purchase yeah what i would do actually is buy da- consumer purchase data so you mm-hmm. can buy credit card purchase mm-hmm. data from people and I would break all the spending into different categories. And then I would say, look at the category of at, that I'm advertising in. So if I'm advertising in footwear, and I'm then I want to look at footwear purchases. And I want to look at how, how much does it take to tap somebody out in this audience. So let's say they spend like $100 on footwear. I want to clean them. I want to scrub them from my targeting. Because I know like they've spent the money in this area oh that's cool i yeah, no I like longer that. want to touch yeah, them so it's it's about a suppression list mm-hmm. that's what's missing and i would hazard to guess that over 50 percent of marketing uh, advertising spend happens after the consumer made a purchase because the data <laughs> is so slow to even get tell you you know that they're in the market they're already so close to a purchase they're going to purchase like 
you know, how long does it take us to make a purchase? I mean, it was Amazon Prime Day a couple days ago. It took me 30 seconds to, mm -hmm. to buy a TV. Yeah. Okay, so how is the advertising ecosystem going to compete? So they're going to see me as a TV buyer. Then they're going to start advertising to me, and I've already made the purchase. Right. So that's a huge issue. Okay, let me let me give you a hot idea that I had recently. Wait, before you say that, I know what this is. the hole in this table is for. <laughs> <laughs> we finally figured it out. <laughs> so I had an idea recently. I'm, I'm curious how much you'll hate it. So it is a way for people who are financially constrained to make a little bit extra money. And they basically wear an L, like an LCD shirt. I hate it. That, I know. But I, the question is, how much do you hate it? And, you and, um, and it can show ads and whatever. And it'll also have NFTs where you can make it different clothings and whatever. Forget that part. It pays them based off of how many people like look at them and stuff. So it's a way for them to earn passive Good way to get income. in shape because I'll have to walk around a lot for a lot of that's people to see them. That's right. I hate this idea. <laughs> I hate it. But it it's gives so them bad. money. True. Um, so let's say the company fronts the cost of the shirt. They give it to the contractor because they're definitely not an employee. That's right. Um, and... Then, they just walk around. We find well, some way to... Well, it's not just walking around. You have to figure out how, like, what what is the reach? What is, like, the value? So they could have cameras with eye tracking and actually see who looks at it. Or you could use device IP loca or device locations to see how many people are... Oh, you like, could do, like, like, um, like foot traffic data and, yeah. like, stuff like that. You could do that and just do, like... Um, just do like the aggregate or like the median of you, yeah. foot traffic. Yep. Of, yeah. You could also look at uh, real time uh, device Mac addresses and, and Bluetooth addresses. Um, mm -hmm. A company in London got in trouble for this because they were scanning for IPs. Yeah, not in America. They were scanning for the IPs of passersby of a billboard. So your device has a specific oh, address. Yeah. So when you come back a, to a certain location in physical the physical world, you you can actually see your device's code coming back. So they use that to establish a baseline for frequency. Yeah. Oh, that's like that's like table stakes in in store analytics in, this, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Like you know, you they see, they got in trouble for it. You'll it, see all those like white boxes like in stores and things like that. Like it's it, those are just like data trackers, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've worked with a couple companies that a long time ago that that did that. They use ad tech like kind of right. stuff. Um, but yeah, I hate this idea. Yeah, I think it can a lot? work. I don't hate it a lot. Okay. I have ethical issues with it. It's unsettling. It's a it's more unsettling than it is. It's definitely interesting. It's more unsettling than it is appealing. Yeah. 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 But it's well, someone's got to do it. Someone will do that. Interest. It's interesting. I mean, what, what what's so different between advertisers? Well, I guess there's a lot different, but between advertisers paying to have their logo on some like. You know, in your car, soccer they'll, players, they'll you shorts. Wrap, they'll pay you to wrap your car. They'll pay you to put an ad on the side of your house if you live next to the highway. They'll, you know, they'll pay you mm. for anything that they can. They'll pay. They'll pay you to post on Instagram if you have a big enough following. Like w the the key of advertising is just if there's eyeballs going in a certain direction, you can monetize it. Right. But there's certainly there's this technology doesn't currently exist like the, the wearable fabric in a way that's like affordable and connected to an ad network. This could be a good idea for my ad network.
Like maybe because the, the key is to have, and and we're kind of skipping ahead here, but the key is to have unique placements, right? Like if you want to have a business, it needs to have a unique twist, right? Like that's the key to, to good marketing, to a good product. You need to have one unique, at least one unique element about your business that separates it from everybody else. Otherwise you're just selling a commodity. Yeah. Or, or a perceived unique element. Yeah, it could be totally like nothing that matters and you just like that little touch. Right. And that's enough. And that's the reason why the people you sell it to buy from you and yeah. only you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So real or perceived. Yeah. Yes. So th- this would be it. Like this would be a real differentiator if you could buy that or or a blimp. Let's say we have our own blimp and you can just like digitally change the message. And then you can say I could get you the, the, the key. One of my goals is so that I could tell people. Where is it? To, is one of your goals to buy a blimp? Well, it's definitely up there, but um, the goal, I don't remember where I put it, but it's, I want to be able to tell somebody I could put you on a blimp in five minutes. And what I mean by that is I could put their ad on the blimp like immediately and maybe have a live stream of it or something so they can see it. So the goal would be like, show people how well you can target to to sell the customer. So I want to do like a feature where it's like hyper precise targeting. So I could say, Connor, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. What's your phone number? Blah, blah, blah. Click. And then I'm like, okay, go to any site. So you go to a site and like you immediately see like my face and I'm like, or something. And so I could, so we can demonstrate to them that we can like hyper local target people on their individual device. Yeah, I, I get the concept. I feel like that's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for years though. Like hyper local geo targeting is a big thing that can happen in the future. Like our phones know where we are within like five feet. Right. Okay. So this has not been used in marketing yet. The The last update for geomarketing was like household. Like they yeah. can tell if you're in a house, they can tell you're like a hundred well, within a hundred feet. Yeah. Like yes. But it, in store stuff has been around for. Yeah. But you get seven, in years. the store, out of the store. Maybe you get some in the store location. Mm-hmm. But true, like hyper local marketing, where I can target like you on that side of the room versus me on this side of the room, is not a thing yet. So, what is the benefit of that? The benefit is that once you can ad- establish an identity graph and you know, like Connor is right over there, mm-hmm. then you can buy display ads in a privacy compliant way against that location, mm-hmm. for example. So, the original idea for this I had was actually for parents to buy out all the ad spots for their children's web browser activity. So if you could hyper target, if you could locally target your home and buy out all of the bids. So instead of one cent for this stupid ad, you pay one and a half cents for nothing. Why wouldn't you just use like brave or some other privacy browser? You could, I think this helps with the things that sneak through. So you could also use a privacy browser mm-hmm. and do that. Like, what if? What about TV? Right. Why yeah. don't I just buy out all the commercials? Yeah. And then yeah. my kids are watching uh, nature during the breaks mm-hmm. or educational stuff during the breaks, right? So you can you can decide what you put in the space that advertisers are paying pennies to put in front of your kids for for hours. They're watching these stupid things. That is an interesting. Like, I like that. That's that's cool. Nice. That's a cool concept. Because I do think it's sort of, in you know, in my opinion, it's sort of slowed down. But the it will, I think, eventually go back up again. Where 
there is this growing need for consumers to control their own data. I just don't know. I just don't think there's like a huge market for it. Yeah. I mean, there's that, what was that company? Tiki. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love Tiki. Um, and yeah, I've been kind of loosely following what they've been doing and stuff. Um, like right now, I just don't, I don't think there's a huge, there's not a huge demand for that. It also just emphasizes the importance for first party data, which, you know, actually, whether it's like creating content or building a good brand or whatever it is, like actually in providing some sort of incentive, whatever that may be for people to give you the company, their information. And now that company owns that information, right? Whether it's an email address, phone number or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can do what you want with that. It doesn't necessarily address your advertising issue, but, um, I think that'll also just weed out a lot of, um, I'm not like inferior, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's important for messy, messy data. Yeah. Messy data, or even just like, you know, haphazard marketing practices or things like that. Like it, it weeds, it weeds out a lot of people that are just, you know, renting, renting Facebook or Google's capabilities to, to do all their business. That being said, there's plenty of successful businesses that do that. And only that, um, probably a lot that we probably a lot of companies that we both like. Um, but I think for looking at it from a, a pure like marketing perspective and a brand perspective, um, you want whatever company you're buying from or something to, you know, feel like you're, they're offering you actual value. And so you want to give them that information. And, right. Um, you know. yeah. Yeah. And I'm super pro, um, super pro first party data. I mean, that's everybody, you know, I know we talked a lot about buying data and we probably look honestly like a little bit ethically gray just because we're talking about like people's privacy and data. Sure. Yeah. But, um, first party is obviously the best, you know, you want people to opt in and tell you what they want to tell you. Like, like marketers want that too, right? They, mm. they, nobody wants to be creepy and, um, you know, steal all your data. It's, it's, it's literally trying to figure out who wants the product or service and telling them that you have the product or service. So when you look at it from that capacity, it's not like, you know, we want your data because it's creepy because we want to know everything about you. We just want to know if you are in the market for this thing. Yeah. And that's simple. That's like, you could boil down all of advertising into that. Like, do you want this thing? And, um, the right to the right person. And, um, I would argue we're not even close. Like the, the, the ecosystem, the, the, if you look at the, the rates, like a good rate is one out of a thousand. Like you what, not, conversion conversion. Yeah. So you have 999 people who don't need your products that you're marketing to. And then one person who buys mm -hmm. or maybe 10 people eventually who buy the state of advertising, the state of the, the propensity modeling and the, the targeting models has so much room to grow. Why is that you're the way you describe that is it sounds inherently bad. Yeah. Why is that inherently bad? Because it's a waste of money. I want the best marketing is where every single piece of marketing that goes out, every single impression leads to a sale. That is the ideal state of marketing. Every, if you're sending out direct mail, every 100% of your pieces end up in a sale. That's what we all should aspire to. First principles thinking, right? If you, if I write a piece of paper and send it to somebody, I want them to purchase based off of it. And I have to, if I have to send out 999 of them just to get one sale, you know, the industry is going to, 
going to have to fix that at some point because there's so much money to be made. If you could, instead of 999 people who don't want your product, you send it to the other 999 who do, but you don't have the right data yet. So, so the advertisers don't have the right data and targeting models to find yeah. what all the best people are. It's about behavioral data, consideration <laughs> data. Are they still in the market for it? It's, it's about buying the right data to improve that, that conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a, t that's a tough thing to sell though. I think at a very macro industry level, I think that's a, it's a tough thing to sell because you know, like ROI is the biggest thing, right? So you spend, you know, you're spending a hundred thousand dollars, you sell to one, you, you reach a thousand people, you only sell to one, but that one sale is worth $500,000. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get a five X return on all of that. So like, and for most businesses, they're more than happy with that. Right. right. So, uh, yeah, people change... used to be okay without plumbing. People used Those... to be okay with throwing, <laughs> you know, stuff out of the windows. That's the, the same street. thing. Add ROI and indoor... that's, that's, in, it's, in... it's more disgusting to me how much we spend on advertising that doesn't convert than that. You, so you would rather have an outhouse then. Give me the outhouse <laughs> and better targeting models. <laughs> I would, yeah, I'd rather have an outhouse than than a leaky ad budget. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Connor. Thank you.